last week, the Lord just put a burden on my heart, being that we're going in to celebrate all the work that's been done. And just all the work that's done around the ministries of West County all the time, I thought, I don't think in 42 years I've ever preached on work. But did you know, back in the 1800s, 1882, I think it was, and then a decade later, 23 states in Congress passed that we would have this day in America called Labor Day, a national holiday. But did you know the whole Bible is nothing but a book? Yes, it's the revelation of God, but it's a book about the work of God and the work that God's given man to do. It's a book of work. So I thought, we need to celebrate the work of God in us and the work of God that he does through man. So pull this out, this insert that says thank you. And for you that are new in our church, I want to give you the structure of West County Community Church. See, I use the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 1-2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers. Now, our church structure can be broken down. As you look at this, I want you to write one by elders, two by staff, three by Zoe board, and four by LWA board. Our church, West County Community Church, has four leadership teams. So you would just write up there by church leadership, four leadership teams. If you ever want to know what's going on in the life of West County or you have a concern about it, depending on what area it would be, you would go to one of these four teams. See, the elders serve with Joe Brooks and myself, and we prayerfully plan how we can most effectively and faithfully live out our vision that God's given us. Our staff then work with our elders and Joe and myself to work that out and through that out through all of the rest of these designations you can write are ministry teams. The Zoe board, that is the group of men you see there that pray, support, encourage. In every way, our Zoe staff, Philip, Emily, Caitlin, and Travis in doing our student ministries. Our LWA board, Dr. Holly Brand is our a board chair works with the board to work and lead and encourage and support, you see, the LWA staff. Then all of these other persons work with one of these leadership teams. And here's what I encourage us all to do. Last night, because I always practice one more time Saturday night preaching through the study, I was going to have every one of these teams stand. And we were going to applaud, and we were going to scream and yell, and we were going to affirm each other. And I was just doing that. I was working through, and I realized I'd spent 25 minutes, and I wasn't even done yet, because I was just going through it. So here's what I encourage us all to do. Take an hour this week, a prayer time, and apply 1 Thessalonians 1-2, and pray and give thanks for every one of these teams. And then as you go through it, what I want all of you to do is to see where you're serving. Now you're going to see in those 600 around that neighborhood names, you're going to see a lot of duplications. And you're going to say, 
Man, those folks are what? Working. And sweeties, if God has led you here, you are gifted, and he has a place for you to work. And so for any of you that have been here six months or more, if you get through this list and you're praying and you're rejoicing and you realize in all the things that are there, and by the way, finally, I didn't even put the Just Do It group on there because Stacy said, this is enough. She got a little weary in the work on me. And I said, okay. But I want you to know, this booklet should just keep becoming a telephone directory, shouldn't it? As people hear God's call to work, and they join in the work. So every one of us need to be on this if we're a part of West County. Now, that's that. Let's take the message. Today, first, I want to thank you. And I put three exclamations. And, and just imagine that we were going through every one of these groups, and here's what I would be saying to each one of you. Thank you, number one, for giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58. Has our computer gone out again? Is it working? It started working in the middle of the first service. So see if it works again. Look at there. Man, it's good you weren't running a train. We'd have run into something up there. Okay, write it in. Thank you. See, for giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Think of all the things we do that end up being in vain. That is, in a hundred years, they will not matter. They may have been real important on Saturday, but a hundred years won't matter. Let me tell you something. For you that serve in Awana, since that leadership meeting is this Wednesday, I promise you, because the Word of God never returns void, what you do in Awana will never Return void. For all of you that taught the, the Bible this morning in preschool and children, and for those that are teaching right now, and adult and students, what you do in the Lord never returns void because the Word of God. When you serve, you know, there were men yesterday till 6 o'clock here working all day. I, I was studying and working on my book yesterday, so every couple hours I would go down and check on them. When you work in the Lord's ministry, as I told those ladies a few weeks ago when they were down on their hands and knees on that concrete and they were scrubbing the bathroom floor and, and they were washing those toilets and they were getting everything clean, I said, I want you to know you'll never worship the Lord more than you are right now because you're doing this out of a heart of love for the Lord God. And the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living service, a sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your reasonable worship. And that word worship is the Greek word latruo, which means service. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, wherever that has been. And write this down. Write this down under there, under number one. 
there is always a place for me to work when I'm in the Lord. And I'm going to show you that. When you're in the Lord, there's always a place for you to work. I want to encourage all of you that are in this church, and for whatever reason, you have never known the joy of committing yourself to work. You are missing out, and this church is greatly missing out. You're going to see work is very important to God. Number two, thank you for not becoming weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want you to write down a quotation that I learned when I was 22 or 23. And it is this, when God calls, there is no rest in quitting. When God calls, there is no rest in quitting. Today, when we walk into this new building, this is a project that started eight years ago. We worked for a year to a year and a half of just planning of architect, of county, of Wildwood, before we ever even presented it to the church family. When we presented it to the church family, if you were there six and a half, seven years ago, a lot of folks didn't like the idea. What in the world are we building another building for? Through the years, there have been all kinds of ups and downs and disappointments and frustrations and challenges, overwhelming challenges. And even yesterday, during the day, I would go down to encourage the workers because I so appreciated they were still doing work to get ready for us today. And through the whole work of this building, our goal has been to minister to all these workers. And two of the men yesterday working one is struggling with drug addictions greatly. One, his wife, is presently being unfaithful to him. And we've been ministering to these men. And once after going down and just saying, guys, it's looking beautiful, it's great, one of these men followed me and said, Pastor, can I talk to you? Well, sure. And you know, when life gets hard, what's the easiest thing we do? We get physically, emotionally, Mentally what? Weary. And when you're weary and tired, what, what does everything in your being scream? I think I'll just... And that's why the Bible says do not come together that you don't encourage one another. And so I spent time encouraging. When I was leaving at 6, this one man said, Pastor... I just want you to know I'm really getting weary. I mean, his wife has been unfaithful for several months now. I'm really getting weary. I looked at him and I said, if you were not weary, you would need a mental institution. Of course you're weary. Why is he weary? Because our flesh becomes weary when someone else disappoints us, hurts us. That's why if you don't learn to live by the Spirit, you will quit on every relationship that ever disappoints you because the flesh is always weak. 
That's why until you learn to live by the Spirit, which the Scripture calls us, walk by the Spirit. Don't walk by the flesh. You will always quit because you're weary. The flesh gets weary over nothing. I had to learn this right. I quit the ministry years ago. Most Sundays I would come. I prepared all week. I'm ready, man, for the big day. And who knows what happens among the sheep. And my expectations are not realized. And guess what? I would leave and so I'd be physically tired, I'd be emotionally tired, I'd be mentally tired, and I would be disappointed. My expectations not met. So what's my flesh saying? I think I'll go find a place where my expectations are met. And you've heard what the saying is. If the grass is greener on the other side, you have to what? You have to pay more to have it mowed. You thought I was going to say mow it. No, now I'm old. I get someone to mow it. Right? See, sweeties, you got to learn this. I deal with good, sweet Christian folks all the time that haven't learned what I'm talking about. They get weary because the flesh is always going to get weary because they haven't learned to die, as the Scripture talks about. Phil taught us last week. Anyone that's going to follow Jesus, he does what? He dies. He denies his flesh. He takes up his cross as he dies. And he says, I'm going to follow Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we just verbalize this? Let's say it this way. My flesh will always get weary. Say it. My flesh will always get weary. And in my weariness, I'll feel like quitting. In the Spirit, in the Spirit, God's always strong. And will enable me the joy to faithfully finish. That's enough for all the church today, isn't it? That would change your life. It changed my life when I was 22. Because I said, God, I'd rather die than quit on your call in my life. In zillions of times in my life, the flesh has been weary and wanted to quit. And I'd say, can't do that because I'm not ready to die yet. I'd rather die than quit on God. Because if you quit on God, you're going to miss what God planned for you. Well, let's go on. Number three, thank you, thank you, thank you. For whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, I'd like all the children up to 18 to answer this question. How many of you children love to work? Do I see any hand? They're an honest group. Here's one little guy over here. Good. Well, I want you to know they were honest with you. See, in our sinful disposition, we would much rather play. What's a phrase we like to say to each other? Take it, take it, take it easy. When I was in my mid-30s, we lived in outside of Jeff City about 20 miles on a 10-acre farm. And uh, my dad was a horticulturist, so I love a pretty yard. I love trees and shrubs. And my wife, 
her dad was a, a builder, Ronnie, and so she knows pretty yards. We, we have pretty yards up in, in Spokane, up in the northwest, and get rain. It's just beautiful. And uh, so we had 10 acres to make like a state park. And in Jeff City, all of the foundation, when the builders dig the ground, it's this white limestone rock. And so my wife, when she would drive around Jeff City, any builder that was building it up, she'd stop and say, could I have some of your white boulders rock? And I had a Ford pickup truck, and she would line them out for me, and she'd say, after work at 5, take your jeans, because you go by and load up the truck with rock. So I was always loading up rock. And I mean, we had a state park, all these big berms and stuff. And so often, that's how I spent my Saturday. And I had a friend that would bring me 20, 40 ton of, you know, topsoil dirt at his price. And so we, we had a market, man. And we, I don't know what we were doing, just working ourselves to death. That's what we were doing. But each Saturday, and the boys were, we moved out there when they were 8, 10. And so one Saturday morning, Ronnie came out, and she would take the shovel, and she would draw the design of how she wanted the berm. And I had all my shrubs bought, and here's this pile of rocks and boulders. And I mean, it was 8, 10 hours of pleasure during the day because my dad taught me how to work. But here's little Josh and Philip, and, and so mom gives us these instructions. I want this here, and then she would plant the shrubs where she wanted them in the dirt. And then she turned around and walked back into the house to do housework. But little Josh, some of you remember Josh. He used to play the drums. Josh looked at me and he said, Dad, why do you let her do that to you? Because he didn't like to work. And I said, Sugar, get that shovel, and I'm going to teach you how to have a happy marriage. <laughs> work! Children, I'm going to give you an insight, and in a minute, parents, I'm going to give you an insight. Hopefully you even heard it this week on Focus on the Family. You know how I tell you, anytime you get in your car, Turn it on to 91.5. You never know when you're going to hear a gold nugget. Well, I was in the car just three, four minutes, and I heard this gold nugget, and I thought, here I'm preparing to talk about work, and, and let's go on. Let's go on from the, the thanking you to just seeing the significance of work in the Bible for a few minutes. Turn to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 in your Bible. First page. As I was just thinking about work, I thought, I have never heard this or said this in my life, but this is profound. You're going to love this. See, when you read Genesis 1, and we'll not read it all, but it starts in the beginning, God created the heavens. That's work. And you know in Genesis 1, every day God did something. God said, let there be light. And that was the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters. And that's the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place. And let it be dry ground. And that's the third day. And it just keeps going and he keeps saying, it is good. And go to the very end of Genesis 1. And you go down to Genesis 1. And you see verse 31. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had what? 
finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, write it in. The first thing we learn about God, go on, Justin, to Roman numeral 2, number 1. The first thing, write it in there for them, we learn about God is how he began. That's Genesis 1-1. How he accomplished, he spoke, and how he completed his creative work. Now, as I just sat and looked at that, and I thought, God wants to do his work in us, and then God wants to do a work through us, I thought of these five words. See, God begins a work in our lives by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can accomplish the work he's called us to. When you see God's work, he had a pace. He did something the first day, second day, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day. One of the challenges when you have a great work is not to become overwhelmed by that work. To have a pace, Brad says it this way, an inch, there you go. You don't eat an elephant, but one bite at a time. That's pace. Then perspective. You understand in life that God saved you to do a mighty work in your life. It's called to transform you, to change your perspective about everything that you live every day submitted to His authority. You live every day surrendered to His presence. You live every day settled. I am yours, God. And you live every day realizing others need to hear of the love of Jesus, sharing Jesus. That's God's work in you. And then you realize God wants to do a mighty work through you. And I'm going to say this as tender as I know. Because after first service, Philip said, Dad, man, that was a powerful study. He had never heard a study on work either. He said, that was great, great, great. But Dad, in your passion, you were all fired up in first service. And some people that had been in this church for years, he was sitting in the back corner there. He said, I think they kind of got their feelings hurt when you said, Everyone that's in this church needs to be at work. And he said, so say it real tenderly in the second service. So I'm going to say it as tender as I know. You're missing out. You're missing out. If you're in Christ and God's brought you to this fellowship, you are missing out, but not being a part of the work of God in the ministries of this church. And guess what? We're missing out too. Was that tender enough? God has done so much in and through West County Community Church 
But you know why? First of all, because God is great, God is gracious, God is good, and by His mercy, He has chosen to bless this place. But the other side of that, that's God's work, is there are so many in this fellowship that have said, Lord, not only change me, but do your work through me. And I mean, they are working servants. And I count it a privilege to work with you. But may our tribe increase. Amen? Let's go to the next point. See, the first thing we learn about God is how He works. Now, look at number two. The first thing we learn about man. Now think about this. The first thing we learn about man is how he was created in the image of God to work. Now that's profound. See, as you're reading Genesis 1.26... As soon as it talks about God making us in His image, that is, we're made with the capacity to have the Spirit of God. In our sin, our spirit is dead. That's why in Ephesians, the Bible says, at salvation, we are quickened, we are made alive, because the Holy Spirit comes in our life. But then the Scripture could have said, we're made in God's image to love. The greatest of these is love. It could say we're made in the image of God to walk by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. But of all the things that it could have said, look what it says. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. What is that? Let them have dominion? That's work. That's leadership. That's responsibility. That's accountability. Notice this is not isolated. Go on to chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. See, these are the generations, and it talks all about that. And when no bush of the field, I'm having trouble seeing this in the light, the way it's shining on my eyes. It was in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused to rain on the land, and there was no man to what? There it is. Of all the things that could have said, God ordained man to work. Jump on to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to... Children and students, listen to me. You're going to have a miserable existence in life if you don't learn to enjoy and even love to work. I'm so grateful that I grew up on a farm in the 50s where I had to get up every morning as an eight-year-old boy and milk two cows by hand. And when the winter would come, we'd have to carry water till our little bodies were free. I, I am so grateful that every day of my life we had to work. In 1964, when I was going into the eighth grade, we moved to Washington State and we moved not for, on a farm, but in a subdivision. So that's one of our problems. We don't have a lot of work sometimes when you have a little yard. So you know what my dad did? He understood it's important that my sons learn to work. We didn't have cows to milk. We didn't have chickens to take care. We didn't have hay to buck. We didn't have all these weeds to pull. 
So he bought four cords of wood. Now, I'm just in eighth grade, so I'm not real smart. I just know my dad likes me to work. So my dad, one day, we came home. He called my older brother and I out. He was a 10th grader. I was eighth, and he said, now, son, I want you to move this wood was put here. And I later found out years after, he had the guy put it on one side of the fence so he could tell his boys, I want you to stack it on this side of the fence. We went through the whole winter. It didn't even dawn on me. We never used wood at all because my mom didn't want that mess. Spring came. You know what my dad said, boys? I want that wood moved where? On the other side of the fence. That's okay. That's explainable. It's coming summer. We don't want the wood there. We're going to plant flowers and do garden work. And then in the fall, my dad says, son, I want you to move that Wood on the other side. It took me two or three years. I was slow. Every fall, every spring, put that wood on the other side of the fence. By the time I figured out, you know what my dad said? It's good for you, sons. Put that wood on the other fence before you get the vacuuming done tonight. Here is a powerful insight. If you haven't written anything down, whether you're a parent of children or whether you're a grandparent, we need to teach this to our parents, our children, our grandchildren. See, go on to number three. And I'm going to hurry here because I'm going to get us in the chapel. Go to number three and you see, even after Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the Garden of Eden to work. Genesis 3.23. And I want you to write in that line, just write this. No matter what I ever am going through, that is no excuse to work. And I'm talking in the church. No matter what I am going through. See, we all go through all kinds of difficulties. And often when we're going through difficulties, we use that as an excuse to work in the church. This is no preacher's exaggeration. I've had thousands of people in my 42 years of ministry come to me and say, well, Pastor, Right now, I'm going through a difficulty in my life, so I'm going to have to resign. And they think they're believing the truth. I've had all kinds of difficulties in the last 42 years of my life. It has never been a reason for me to quit in the work of the Lord. Right? When my mom died two years ago, did I tell you? And before she died, it wasn't her death that was difficult. It was caring for her for a year and three quarters. At different times, I thought I was going to die of exhaustion. I never did call up and say, Sunday, I'm so exhausted, I just got to sleep today. And no one ever came to me during the time and said, Pastor, why don't you just take a few weeks off? Man, you're going through it right now. God wants us to know as His people that as weak as we are, He's always ready to be what? His grace is sufficient that we can be faithful in Him. That's number three. Go to number four. The first thing we learn about children. Now this is profound. Turn to Genesis chapter four. Some of you will have notes in your margin because Philip has taught from this chapter about first fruit giving several times over the last two, three years. But I want to show you something that comes even before first fruit giving. See, you can write it in. Number four, the first thing we learn about children. 
Now, this is the first thing in God's Word you learn about children is they were taught to work and to honor God from their work. See, look at Genesis 4, verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. So that's our first children. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, here's the first thing we're going to learn about children. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So what does that mean? Daddy and Mama taught their children how to work. Because we just saw it. Children left on their own would rather have fun. Children on their own would rather be lazy. I know this is going to be the top message I've ever preached among the students. Some of them are saying, what's my mom and dad going to do now when we go home? This is what you're going to do, mom and dad. We're going to say, we're going to have a sit down and realize I will be unfaithful to God if I don't teach you how to work. And you know what your children will say? Blessed are you. That's just what I was waiting for. No, they'll do just what my children did. See, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, why did he do that? More is caught than is taught. Because Adam and Eve had taught their sons, it's important from your work to give first fruits. It's called a tithe. And see, Abel did what his parents taught him, but Cain didn't. See, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. What does that imply? Why would God say, hey, Cain, just do what's right. You know what's right because you were taught what's right. Because Adam and Eve had taught their sons, you learn how to work, but in your giving, you're honoring God from your work. Think what would happen, parents, if every one of us had been taught to work hard and to honor God with our first fruit giving from our work. But most of us in this room, if we were taught to work hard, that's wonderful. We were not taught, and that includes me. I was not taught by my parents to give first fruit giving from my work. So it was a struggle in my life. I was serving on church staff, and I didn't have the hilarious joy of honoring God from my work. And I had to learn that in my struggles. Of here you're preaching and teaching God's Word, but you're not obeying God's Word. And every time I'd get up and preach, God would say, but you're not honoring me with joy. I'd say, well, Lord, I, I am writing the check out. I'm doing it as a duty because I knew they were counting my money. They were seeing, and after all, I was on church staff. 
And, and back then, if you served on church staff and you didn't give tithe, you were dismissed that day. I mean, the pastors looked at all the giving of the staff every month, so they knew, and they let you know that they did that. And so here for years, I gave out a duty. And why? Because my parents never sat down with me when I was little and said, Sugar, giving is a matter of trusting God. And He wants you to see that even though you don't think you can make it with 10%, you make it with 90% more because God wants to prove Himself faithful to you. But, sweeties, I'm talking to you. If you never had a daddy or mama talk to you like that and model that and show you, then you struggle silently. But I'm saying this is the first day of the rest of our life. As parents, teach your children how to work and then sit down and just tell them where you are. If you didn't have parents to teach you, just say, we never had parents. And it's been a stronghold, a struggle. And it's kind of shameful that here we say we love God, trust God, but we don't know how to trust Him in our giving. So we're going to start. And what a joy that is, that your children grow up. And see, really, the joy of this is not to listen to me. It's to call Philip my son, call Josh my son, or call Matt my son. None of their wives knew anything about tithing when they got married because their parents had never talked to them. But, and, and it was scary. When, when little Lauren married Matt, he immediately told her, and he didn't even have a job, we're going to double tithe our first year. And they've continued to do that. And now the wife... It so transformed her life. Her parents had never tithed. Now they're giving and giving sacrifice and it's spreading through the whole family line of the wife. See, you can start a new legacy today and i got to finish. See, write this down. Here's this great insight from Focus on the Family. Teaching our children to enjoy work we give them the blessing of belonging, value, and how to be responsible. Teaching your children. This came from some woman psychologist that Focus had on. She had written a book, and I was just in the car for three minutes, a short trip, but she said this, and I wrote it down. Teaching your children to enjoy work. And you know how they learn to enjoy work? They see you enjoying working. Even my sons, up until the time they got married, they didn't really enjoy yard work. It took all of them to get married till that little woman saw the way my wife had a yard man and she wanted a yard man. And they began to realize it makes mama happy for me to get out there and cut that grass so it doesn't look like a goat field. Back when Phil first bought a house up here, I would mow his yard every week because I'd be embarrassed because he wouldn't mow his yard every two or three weeks. And you know what he would say, students? He would say, Dad, I'm busy. 
And I would say, I know, honey, I only work two days a week. Get out there and mow your yard. And it took him getting married. And now he keeps a nice yard most of the time. See, number five, and we close. The Bible gives us a history of God's work and God's call to man to do his work. We don't have time right now, but just write these names down on that line. In Genesis, after this story, you have the work of Noah. Genesis 6. In Genesis 12 to 22, you have the work of Abram. In Genesis 37 and 50 to 50, you have the work of Joseph. In Exodus, you have the work of Moses. In Leviticus, you have the work of the priest making the sacrifices. In Numbers, you have the work of numbering all the Israelites. In Deuteronomy, you have the work of the giving of the law and the teaching of the law and the calling the people to obey the law. And then in Joshua, you have Moses handing the baton off to Joshua to lead the people, the work, a million Jews to lead them into the promised land. Years ago, we spent a whole year on the work of Nehemiah. Do you remember it? The, the walls of Jerusalem were torn down, and for 144 years, the people thought the work was impossible. Kind of like maybe some of you feel like today. The work in your life, the work in your marriage, the work in your children is impossible. And God broke Nehemiah's heart, and he went into that city, and God gave him a new vision, and it was, we can do this. And in less than three months, they rebuilt the walls, and it led to a revival, a work of God by the work of man. You know what makes a great church? You know what makes a great marriage? You know what makes a great family? The work of God in us. Because apart from the work of God, we stay selfish. We stay self-centered. We stay arrogant. We stay easily offended. And we stay separated from each other. We need the work of God in us. That's God's work. And then we need man's work. It doesn't matter how much I say I love my wife. You know what blesses her? When I go home this afternoon and I see she's just taking a load of clothes and put them on the couch and I just fold them. I work. You know what blesses me? After I do that, I say, I'm going to go take my Sunday afternoon nap. She says, what time do I wake you up? 5.30. When I get up, she's prepared me a beautiful dinner. It's called work. Are we getting excited about this message? Don't just feel bad. Anytime you hear a message, if you're not living it, just say, this is the first day of the rest of my life. I am going to become a worker. 
And I'm going to teach my children to work. And don't expect them to say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama. Send them over to my house any Saturday. And you can pay me for teaching them how to work. And we'll just give it to the building fund. Any Saturday you want to send your children to my house. All kinds of parents are looking around right now. And let me tell you something, children, we'll have fun. Between our work, we'll play a little ball. We'll have fun. We'll tell stories. We'll laugh. Just ask, where's Hank? Hank, where are you? He's been one of my... Do we have fun when we work, Hank? Boy, we... Hayden, not Hank. Hayden. Hank's gone. We have fun. And do I speed you up sometimes to work? Yeah. You know how I speed these young ones up? I just work with them. I work twice as fast, and they have to get with me. I say, come on. Get up there and work. They want to sit out. Why? Because I know it's going to be one of the greatest blessings other than teaching them about God. One day they're going to say, Pastor, I look back at those times. We had more fun. But thank you for teaching me to have fun working hard. You guys work hard? Not just work. Work hard. Sweeties, don't, don't let this message harden your heart. Go home and say to your mom and dad, let me do this for you. Sit down. Man, I thought I'd get an amen out of that. All right, come follow me. We're going to see what God's done in work and what God's done through God's people in working.